So the brothers were able to get in all the cloth. Now, at the time, the only item still missing for the safe potato was the Atzei Chaim. Right, the two sticks that are made out of wood, usually, at the end of each side of the cloth. Um, so a few days after the brothers finally came home, because remember, while they were in prison, it didn't have Atzichayim. It wasn't a Sefer Torah. So a few days after they came home, they were presented with special Atzichayim that carried these Atzichayim themselves had an amazing story to them. Years earlier, there was a very big tzaddik, Rabbi Chiyo Michal Zlotchev. So there's a niggin, Rabbi Chiyo Zlotchev's niggin. Um, Michal Zlotchev's niggin, right? That's what it's called. Uh, so he wrote a Sefer Torah years earlier. And the Maggot of Kozhnitz, very big tzaddik, Rabbi Sral of Kozhnitz, so he participated in the celebration by presenting Rabbi Chiyo Michal with two wooden Atzichayim. However, Rabbi Yechiel Michal Zlotchever's own Hasidim wanted to make the Rebbe's Sefer Torah, their Rebbe's Sefer Torah even more beautiful. So instead of wood, they said, we want to order silver Atzichayim. It's much prettier. And when Rabbi Yechiel Michal received the two sets of Atzichayim, what are you going to do? So he had to decide which one he's going to use. He can't use both. And after a lot of thought, he chose the silver ones. Because he said at the end of the day, the halach is you have to beautify the mitzvah. Um, <clears throat> he put his hands, however, over the wooden atzichayim. And Rabbi Chiyo Michal was very quiet for a moment and then said, however, the efforts of the Maggot of Koshnitz is not for nothing. There's going to be a day when tremendous tzaddikim will use his Atzechayim for a special Sefer Torah. Years later, these Atzechayim were given to the Slavita, the brothers of Slavita, for their special Sefer Torah. So, we're told, when we say years later, we mean 70 years later this, this happened. Um, now, that's all according to one version of the story. According to another version, there wasn't even a need to smuggle the Sefer Torah into prison. Um, because a year after they arrived in Moscow, the officials started to let them have certain things. Um, a Becher for Kiddush, a summon box for Abdullah. And some say that the officials even mentioned that they would not prevent them from having some Svarim in their cell. And would even allow them to have a Sefer Torah. So according to them, this is when people began discussing the possibility of writing a Sefer Torah for them. Um, however, the, when the brothers were informed that a Sefer Torah would be completed and brought to them, they said, listen, a prison cell is not a place for a Sefer Torah because it's halachically unclean. So for the time being, just give us sheets of parchment and we'll make it into a Sefer Torah later. In either case, regardless of what happened, it doesn't really matter so much, the Sefer Torah symbolized their exceptional Mesiris Nefesh and <clears throat> it was mamish uh, like super exceptional and it was all hidden everywhere at that time <clears throat> they looked up to it and for the next few generations this Sefer Torah was called the Sefer Torah of Mashiach since Reb Shmuel Abba 
was the older of the two brothers. So it was ultimately, you can't give it to both brothers, right? So it was given to him after his patira, after he passed away. It remained with his oldest son, Repinchus, not his brother Repinchus, his son Repinchus. And it continued to get passed down generation to generation. Fast forward to 1917. What's going on in 1917 in Russia? World War I. World War I is already, Russia's already out of World War I. The, the, Russia left World War I, but now they had a Russian revolution, right? The Tsar was kicked out, his family was killed. And this is so shortly after the Russian revolution, 1917. The communists were working on con getting control over the country. And once they finished all the fighting, mostly, then they started to go to work on shutting down all the shuls throughout Russia. In addition to this, they started confiscating anything of value, even from private homes, including the Sefer Torah. Reb Shapiro, I don't even know if we know his first name, a great-grandson of Reb Shmuel Abba, he was horrified. He said, how could I allow the cursed communists to have this Sefer Torah in their possession. Who knows what they're going to do with it? I have to save it at all costs. And after a lot of thought, he came up with a solution. And this is what he came up with during the course of his business dealings over the years. He had a very good relationship, a business relationship with a certain influential Polish official. And he decided he's going to go ask that guy for help. So after convincing him, and maybe also he gave him a nice gift, who knows, uh, the Polish official goes to the Russian authorities and he demands that the Sefer Torah belongs to Poland, not to Russia. Because they, they had a whole agreement they signed between Poland and Russia, which said that Polish citizens who, were, who, who went to Russia during World War I to run away, they were free to return to Poland and this Sefer Torah belongs to a Polish citizen, so you got to give it back to Poland. And the Russian authorities agreed, and they gave this precious Sefer Torah to the Polish official, who returned it secretly, obviously, to its rightful owner. Shortly before he passed away, so he gives it, this Reb Shapiro, I'm not even sure again what his name is, first name, he gives it to his son, Reb Shmuel Abba, right? A great-great-grandson. And he gave him instructions to keep uh, safeguarding it. When this Reb Shmuel Abba, remember, don't, don't, get, don't get confused between the two Reb Shmuel Abbas. So this is the Shmuel Abba in the 1900s, not, not in the 1800s. Um, when, when this Reb Shmuel Abba was preparing to leave Russia, so now he has a problem. He knows the awesome history of the Sefer Torah and how his family, especially his father, watched over it Constantly. There's no way he's leaving in Russia. That's not going to happen. However, he was worried that the officials will not allow, would not allow him to leave the country with it. So after a tremendous effort, he finally was able to reach an agreement with certain Russian officials. He would give them some of his property that he had in Russia if they would allow him to take the Sefer Torah out of the country. And so, shortly after leaving Russia, Reb Shmuel Abba, fifth generation descendant from Reb Shmuel Abba of Slavita, 
arrives in Eretz Yisrael, safe and sound with the Sefer Torah. Um, there are those who say that even though he made this whole agreement with the Russian officials, he was still worried that they, they wouldn't let him leave. So he needed to take, a, take an extra precaution. Remember, the Torah is tiny. So it's not that difficult to hide. But he's scared if he has it in his packages or something, they would search him. So what did he do? He wrapped the Sefer Torah around himself. Because they're not going to pat him down, right? They'll search his luggage. They're not going to search him. So he, he wrapped it around himself. Now, usually, obviously, you're not allowed to do this to a Sefer Torah, right? But if you're... If you're intention of doing it is in order to save the Sefer Torah obviously you do what you need to do and, and that is how the Sefer Torah got out of Russia um, we'll start talking a little bit about it. now we're going to go into how the Sefer Torah got from after it left Russia all the way to the Rebbe so, this Reb Shmuel, Abba Shapiro, so he ensured that the Sefer Torah remained in his possession, and he carefully safeguarded it, just like his father made sure. Um, and Take, he even laid out a lot of money. He lost a lot of money getting this Torah out of Russia. He had to bribe a lot of people and things like that. Um, so, what would cause him to give away the Sefer Torah or sell it, whatever it is? What, what would cause him to do that? So, the Shmuel Abba was very close to the Friedrich Rebbe. Um, he got a, a, a handwritten invitation to the Rebbe's Chasana, which not too many people got a handwritten invitation for the Friedrich Rebbe. Um, his wife, Reb Shmuel Abba's wife was a descendant of the Tzemach Sadek, first cousin of the Friedrich Rebbe. So the Friedrich Rebbe is Reb Shmuel Abba's first cousin, right? Um, she was a granddaughter of Reb Yosef Yitzchak of Avruch, who the Friedrich Rebbe is named after. Um, so the Shapiro family, they kept very close ties with the, with the Rebbe's family, the Rebbe's household. And the close connection was demonstrated by the following story when the Friedrich Rebbe sent his son-in-law the Rashag to visit Eretz Yisrael in 1949. So they were informed of his upcoming visit and different meetings and traveling schedules, however, prevented the Rashag from visiting the Shapiro family. And when he returned to America, he sent them a letter of apology, not making an extra effort to visit them, those people who were close to Beisadav. Right? So we see that clearly they were very close. Now, Reb Shmuel Abba had a close friend. A close friend of his was, was Chassid, Reb Pinchas Tadras Altois, known as Reb Pinya. Reb Pinya Altois. When Reb Shmuel Abba's wife became sick, Reb Pinya was there to give him encouragement and give him the support he needed. And his family was very close to the Beis Arav. And in Russia, his father, Reb Elio Chaim Altois, was the official shachin between the Rebbe and the Rebetzin. Now after Reb Shmuel Abba's wife passed away, Mrs. Shapiro, this is in Be'erich 1952-1953, Reb Shmuel Abba told his good friend Reb Pinya 
He shared many private things with him. And during their many discussions, they also discussed the future of the Sefer Taita, as well as Reb Shmuel Abba's financial situation, like his money situation, how, how was he doing? And he mentioned that seven years earlier, he asked the Friedrich Rebbe, because remember, by this time, the Friedrich Rebbe was Nistalik. He asked him if he had any interest in buying the Sefer Torah. And the Rebbe said, yes, however, there's no money. Right? The Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe didn't have money to buy it. So the Pinya then advised him, listen, why don't you give the Sefer Torah as a gift to the Rebbe's successor, the present Rebbe, right? Rebbe Menachem Endosh Nersen, the seventh Rebbe of Chabad, Lubavitch. And in the beginning, Rebbe Shmuel Abba wouldn't hear such a thing. And he said, yeah, for certain reasons, I was willing to sell it to Harav Yesif Yitzchak of Lubavitch, the Fidik Rebbe. However, when he said he couldn't buy it, it wasn't like I had an intention to sell it. It wasn't like I was putting it up for auction. I was willing to sell it to him only. And that's it. Even though people come to me all the time and offer me money for this. Knowing that my ancestors, what, what, what they've gone through to, to keep our families Torah safe. So I, 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 I'm the guy who has to make sure it stays safe. And now you're advising me just to give it away? <clears throat> and we'll continue the story tomorrow.